Have you ever had someone recommend something to you? Have you ever asked for a recommendation? Have you ever taken a recommendation you regretted? Do you have something you want to recommend? Welcome to Recommended, recommended to, to Me by, by a friend. friend. Join two college friends with vastly different opinions and wildly different tastes as we push the boundaries of friendship by forcing ourselves to take each other's movie recommendations. And we will discuss whether it was worth our time or if one of us owes the other a drink. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Leah. And this is Recommended, recommended to Me by a Friend. Good drink. Like a hard drink. Like a hard drink. Got yeah. some moonshine. <laughs> of course you do. Bill, my friend. Yes, Ted, my friend. I have a feeling things are about to change in a most outstanding way. I could not agree more. So we're back again. We are indeed. To talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music, mm -hmm. which is the third and final installment of this franchise. I don't know. Is it? I feel like they still have enough stuff. If they ever wanted to make another thing, they could. I think honestly... Like maybe with the girls or something like that. I think they ended in a perfect place. And it doesn't need to go anywhere else. It doesn't. And this is something we did talk about in the very first, with the very first movie, how this started out as, you know, the, the original production company um, went bankrupt. And Orion is actually who saved the day. This yeah. has never been a super profitable uh, franchise as far mm -hmm. as, like, blockbusters go. Mm -hmm. But the way that it ends, and we're going to get there, we're going to be talking about it. I think sums up everything in a perfect circle of these three movies, which really do tell an epic saga. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about a couple of things before we really delve in. Okay. So of course you had the original Bill and Ted movies. Mm -hmm. First one made in 87 came mm -hmm. out 88. The second one had a, when was it? 1991 release. Okay. This movie came out in 2020. Now, I don't know. There is a, you can just, it's not that I, okay, I'm just going to comment slightly. Mm -hmm. well, it is not a disparaging comment. It is nothing. It is just my taste. It is my viewing preferences. I tend more towards the modern style of movie making. It's not because I don't like some of the other stuff. It's that when it comes to, um, like, the older sci-fi type fantasy movies, the CGI isn't as good, mm -hmm. and I don't like it as much. I tend to like the ones where they do more of the, uh, like, practical effects mm -hmm. more because, well, that's kind of the point. But, you know, so so the other two movies, they were fine. They were fun. I had a good time, I guess. But, um... We know you loved Station. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, I just, I prefer the more modern style. So, of the three movies, I kind of enjoyed this one more, mm -hmm. actually. But that is me as somebody who has not been a hardcore fan from, like, day one. The only reason I have watched these is because of you. Um, and, and that's not saying that I might not have eventually watch them for whatever reason, but... You know what? I just, I, li I liked the third one best. I will take that. I am happy to be the the doorway through which well now that sounds bad man i'm happy to be the guide to bring you to this this wonderful franchise the and way you just described yourself you just described yourself as death oh i'll take that too <laughs> <laughs> i will take that too okay 
So. He's my favorite. I love death. 2020. Yes. A year we would all like to forget. A year definitely we would all like to forget. Now, let me just kind of recap a couple of modern day things. But anyway, so I'm, I'm on my phone just sifting through stuff. And lo and behold. iguanas do. I'm sorry. Are you? No. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you lie to me, young lady. Okay. Listen to my elders. I'll take that too. <laughs> but the point is, so I find out back in like late 19, this movie is coming and yeah. it's coming fast. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, it was not a time of a lot to look forward to. But as the date approaches, in fact, I found out 86 days before the before its release date. You want to know how I know that? Because I did the math and I put on Facebook, 86 days, whoever figures it out first, I'll take with me. Nice. And Carrie figured it out. Huh. Um, but of course, at that point, theaters were not open. Mm-mm. What, remind me, because I don't remember, because last year was a blur. What month did it premiere? It came out August 28th. So last year, kind of by that point... We weren't still dealing with quite the, at least not here in the States, we weren't dealing with as much heavy lockdown. We probably should have been. So, yeah, it makes sense that there was at least a couple of theaters that were trying to be available for something like that. What wound up happening is I drove to Florida to meet up with Bennett, who's been on the show before. Oh. And we made a day of it. We... That O was not like I didn't know who yeah. it was. That sounded so random. I'm sorry. That was, that was, oh, I didn't realize you saw this movie with Bennett. Okay, cool. We're clear. Go ahead. Well, we, we, we spent the day, we watched the first two. Mm-hmm. Then we went to go get some sushi. We brought it back. Yes. And this is the first time ever I streamed a new movie oh. in. Oh. So that's how we okay. watched it. No, I do remember you telling me about this. To be fair, I had my own stuff going on at the we time. All, I was so not paying attention to anything. I get that. It does say a lot that that was... This was on the day. Yeah. Oh. I saw it. This was a priority. In 2020, oh, okay. in Never the time mind. of corona, and as messed up as the things are in my life, this was a priority, and I was not about to shift. In 2020, in the time of corona, I feel like that needs to be the next Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. No. It's just like the... Because Andrew Lloyd Webber needs to stop making plays. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> You hear me, Andy? I'm so no. sorry. Cats is bad, and you should feel bad for hey writing no, it. No, I like cats. And I'm not even talking about the movie. Not the movie. The I'm talking awful. about the play. I'm sorry. That to was anybody. a mistake. It's terrible. Yeah, I'll get in a sock fight with Andrew Lloyd Webber. What? Leah would like me to establish that Leah's views on Andrew Lloyd Webber do not mirror my own. I didn't say I liked Andrew Lloyd Webber. I just said I liked cats. The musical. I don't like it because of it being a musical. I just have nostalgic reasons. Leah has terrible taste. I sometimes do. Yes. And then again, I will stand by a repo. So I get it. Okay. 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 Anyway, the point is, <laughs> anyway, I went to go see this and I'm so glad Ben and I saw it together because we both had the same level of want to see it. Good. And yeah, we were both... that's probably better. Really, your whole experience would have been affected if you were with people that really didn't care. Oh, yeah. 100%. I was like, this is... Like, you know what? You know when you sit there and you, you watch something, when you're showing somebody a movie that means a great deal to you or a TV show or something like that, and they've never seen it, and it's not necessarily their thing, or you think it could be their thing, but you're not sure, mm-hmm. um, and you've hyped it up, and then you're like, oh no, is it going to deliver? Are they going to like it? And you spend the whole time not really enjoying the movie watching process. You're, you're watching, watching them. them. You were like, 
absorbing their energy and hoping that it's coming off the way you want it to. And yeah, I feel like I'm just freaking them out. That's one of the reasons if I'm given a recommendation, I don't typically like to do it, like do whatever the recommendation is in front of that person because I am the kind of person who wants to find something positive Mm -hmm. to say. I went to my first ever like metal show, went to an ice earth show and I purposely didn't want to be by the person that took me there because I didn't want to be like, I just wanted to enjoy it on my own terms. I didn't want to be like, on trying to watch it you know? yeah it was I a fun that. time i am glad that i didn't go see or that i that i watched this with bennett mm-hmm. because like i said we had the same level of interest mm-hmm. and we knew what this meant like we had been waiting for this mm-hmm. and from where bennett lives back to my house is about an hour and a half yeah. drive and the whole almost the whole way there i was just like grinning ear to ear just thinking about this movie it delivered there were some things that i needed to be checked um, there were some things that I knew that they could easily do that could destroy it. And there were certain things that I knew they had to do to just really secure it for me. There were three things specifically. But let's delve into it, shall we? Shall we? Let us delve. Of course, we've gone over just, you know, the basics. Keanu Reeves, Alec Winter mm-hmm. both come back. And I was happy to see them. Along with uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter... We had the reappearance of William Sadler. Mm-hmm. Comes back as Death. That was a major crowd pleaser. I loved him. And then there was another. Let's see. Hal Landon Jr., who oh, came back yeah. as Ted's dad. He does. Now, some recasting that happened was, of course, Deacon, Ted's mm-hmm. little brother. The princesses, who had been played by different actresses in all three movies. That's funny. This time, the most notable of which has got to be Jamie Mays, who has had a lot... She's one of those people that's been in just about everything. Hmm. She had a lot of success in Glee. Oh, okay. And got through it on the other side. <laughs> but, you know. One big thing that I do want to call attention to, and that is Amy Stotch. Amy Stotch played Missy in Face the Music, Bogus Journey, all the way back to Excellent Adventure, which... I'm very impressed with. Huh. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's terrific, I think. All right, let's start at the very beginning, because as I'm told, it is a very good place to start. <laughs> okay. We are kind of met up, when, when last we saw our heroes at the big concert where mm-hmm. they play the song, which we are led to believe at the time, unites the world. Yeah. You see a montage of, like, magazines mm-hmm. and everything. You know, like, they play, they play Mars and the Grand Canyon and all this other stuff. Looks pretty great for them. Yeah. You do see some things about death leaving, going solo, coming back, you know. And the movie kind of picks up right where we left off in the in the sense of these um, magazine covers and, 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 like, you know, what's the band been up to? But now, big difference is it's told by the children mm-hmm. of Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Not the sons, we had originally assumed. They are daughters. They're daughters. Which I love. This is the story of our most excellent dads. I like that they did that. It's a tr- it is kind of a movie trope uh, to, to have, you know, if your main characters are male and they have children, it's often that ultimately the children will be daughters just to kind of bring that dynamic in there. But it worked well in it this did. particular instance. I was actually watching a, so first of all, uh, Samara Weaving. That's, Samara Hugo, that's we- Hugo Weaving's daughter. Niece. Niece? Niece of Hugo. Okay, weaving. so she's well. Still, she looks like she could be his daughter. She has she she has the weaving brow. Like there is no mistaking. Well, she's um, also. Have you ever seen the movie Ready or Not? Of course, I've seen Ready or Not. That's her. I went to go see some movie with Margot Robbie. 
and I, I was she does kind of look a little bit like Margot Robbie whatever it was and I think there was a pre I know what it was I know what it was we went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh, which yeah. I don't recommend I've seen it it's anyway the point yeah. is <laughs> the point is um, she Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate and there was a preview for Ready or Not and mm-hmm. I didn't realize this was Samara Weaving I, th- I thought it was Margot Robbie and I turned to Ben and I was like she's having a really great year so every time I see Samara Weaving I'm like Samara Weaving, not Margot Robbie. <laughs> I like Margot Robbie a lot, but in my mind, Samara, Samara Weaving's name, full name is Samara Weaving, not Margot Robbie. <laughs> she's in it. She's been the babysitter, mm-hmm. one and two, which I recommend the first one wholeheartedly. I think I've seen at least one of them. I recommend the second one, but you got to be in your own. Like, it's not like a let's go out and party and watch this. Well, that's that's a really sad party. Um. <laughs> It's not like a, everybody has to come and watch this. Watch no, it my time. Friday night usually involves a wizard hat, a staff, and something exceptionally nerdy. I have hard asked beverages. you to stop talking about your sex life on the show, Leah. <laughs> I have asked you repeatedly. I said, <laughs> I remove my wizard hat and cloak. <laughs> and I kick in the door. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, um, so of course, Samara Weaving plays Thea, which is... Uh, Bill's Bill's daughter, mm-hmm. and can't call her her though, because she does not identify. Okay, Bridget Lundy Payne. Does she prefer they? Bridget Lundy Payne prefers they them. They them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think both both of them, um, Bridget and Samara, mm-hmm. did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. It is worth noting, just like every time Samara Weaving does anything where she's not, where she's required to have an American accent, mm-hmm. she's Aussie as hell. She has this Aussie <laughs> accent, Australian accent, that is, and, and she does a really good job covering it, although you can see it kind of slip a little bit as she's trying to get into the surfer dude vernacular. Mm-hmm. It's obvious they're trying to revamp or revisit, you know, what would Bill and Ted be like? You know, what were they like when they mm-hmm. were their age? Well, something I kind I ran across, I was watching a bunch of the behind the scenes for mm-hmm. the movie, and um, they said that when they were initially casting Bill and Ted, that Alex and Keanu, they, they kept bringing in different people, and then they kept doing chemistry tests, as they as they do, mm-hmm. and every time that Alex and, and Keanu would be together, he, they said they were just, they were just always talking. Mm-hmm. Whether they were on you know on camera or off waiting for their turn they were always talking and there was this chemistry with them and they said that when they went to cast the daughters they found the same thing Very with those cool. two and they were like there it is there it is there, there's the kids what i really like about this and we'll get back into the plot in just a second the two original movies you had bill and ted having to pass this history report and they had to learn about history and what they did is they found historical figures to bring back and then the second one they have to go through different you know heaven and hell and they have to combat the different versions of themselves in mm-hmm. the in the evil robot houses with the good robot houses and now this film has married that perfectly yes they have actually at this point it's been you know what three decades okay yes. and we've seen the band have promise and we have assumed much like bill and ted would have assumed that they have fulfilled their destiny but of course, as time has gone by, we see that is not the case. They have not fulfilled their destiny. No. Is it like when kind of at what point do we see them at the wedding trying their best? At the very beginning. Okay. Please enjoy the first three movements of 
that which binds us through time, the chemical, physical, and biological nature of love, an exploration of the meaning of meaning, part one. Oh, God, I love it so much because it's, it's you know, they're getting ready and you think it's going to be this grand thing and then all of a sudden one of them starts doing this whiny thing and the other is Tibetan throat singing. The other one's doing, okay, so Bill is throat singing uh-huh. and Ted is playing the theremin. Okay, okay, yep, that's what they're doing. At one point there's a bagpipe and a mariachi mm-hmm. trumpets and some kind of interesting drum and, which I respect, think about it, they are like, <laughs> they're thinking about it, I think that this is one of the things that we talked about in the last episode, you know, you were tasked with finding the most brilliant minds in the universe and you assumed they'd be from Earth. So why on Earth would only, you know, Western culture... One style of music, yeah. ...be represented? So, so we're just going to combine all of them. Which, I get it, especially if you're desperate, you're trying to figure that out. But this wedding is a very special wedding because yep. it's not just, they're not just the band. They're there as family. Mm-hmm. Because who's getting married, Leah? It's Missy. Ted and I have known Missy in different capacities for many decades. First, she was our babysitter when we were 10. Then we both invited her to the prom when she was a senior and we were freshmen. Yeah. Two years later, she married my dad. And Missy became mom. After divorcing Bill's dad, she married my dad and became my mom. Yeah. And now she's marrying Ted's little brother, Officer Deacon Logan. This happy event would seem to make Deacon his own father-in-law, and Ted his own uncle. <laughs> Not to mention making my dad his own son. Okay, so then Missy was originally his stepmom. Mm-hmm. Now she's his sister-in-law. Which doesn't make sense, because look at it. We know Missy went after Mr. Preston, mm-hmm. and then went and married Mr. Logan, mm-hmm. married Denomalous, or at least was engaged to Denomalous. We don't know if that wedding actually mm-hmm. went through. And now she went way younger with Deacon. I will say this, Mr. Logan is handling the loss of Missy better than Mr. Preston did. That is very true. At that wedding, you find that Mr. Logan, along with pretty much anybody else, is not, has not believed their story about time traveling or going to heaven and hell. Bill, you didn't time travel. We did. The wives aren't from medieval England. They are. And you didn't go to heaven and hell. We did. You didn't. We did. And you know why? Because it's impossible. Anyway, you can see it's caused a big strain on the their marriages. Mm-hmm. Joanna and Elizabeth are, I don't want to say frustrated, but they're definitely discouraged. They are worried. But their daughters see them as heroes, which I think is, is just awesome. You see, Thea and Billy are really well-versed in music. Mm-hmm. Not so much that they, oh, we know all this because we listen to it. You can tell there's a certain amount of study. Mm-hmm. And they know the uh, theories and composition and, and everything that comes behind it. Well, which they is... also know the history. Yes, they do. Because when they, well, not to get ahead of ourselves, but part of what they end up having to do involves them having to have a good knowledge of music history. That is we'll true. We'll just say that and continue so I don't cause spoilers this early in the episode. By the way, it seems like a good point. We are going to be discussing the plot, and if you haven't seen this movie, please watch it, and then come back in, see if our see what you think of our opinions, and you know, if you have some different ones, definitely write us, but you know, in the meantime, here we are. Bill and Ted uh, wind up going to couples counseling. <laughs> I remember watching that, and my thoughts, because we, we keep coming back to them in couples counseling, 
It's not working out very well. No one's cooperating. Well, the princesses are trying. Bill and Ted think they're cooperating, but they're not because they can't say, I love you. They can't say, they can't own themselves as individuals. It's always we. So do you understand why this situation might seem at all strange to your wives? No, not at all. Why? Well, when your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think this is what they had in mind? Well, definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Ted, is there something you feel your wife needs to hear from you? Yeah, totally. We love you guys. Okay, it's the we part. Ted, can you say the same thing? But instead of we, say I in the sentence. Oh, Elizabeth. Yes. I and Bill love you and Joanna. Okay. Dude, with all due respect, I don't think you're quite getting this. <sighs> Joanna, mm -hmm. from the very, very bottom of I and Ted's hearts, I and Ted totally love and worship you and Elizabeth. Perfect, dude. Oh, awesome, dude. Thanks. Yeah. And I feel very sorry for the therapist because she keeps getting kind of pulled into their weirdness. And then when the princesses kind of start realizing that stuff weird is going on, but it's all taking place in and around the therapist's office. And she's just like, what the hell? Well, the thing is, the, the therapist, by the way, played by Jillian Bell, mm -hmm. who you might recognize. She I got do her recognize break. her. Where have I seen her before? She's in Workaholics. She plays okay. Jillian. But she's also in a handful of other things. One of the big ones recently is 22 Jump Street. Well, oh, yeah, that's definitely where I've seen her then. She does a lot. She's hilarious. In this specific scenario, you have two couples that where the, the Bill and Ted are not functioning as an individual mm -hmm. person in their own relationships. Mm -hmm. They're trying to function as sort of like a duo or a sidecar, if you will. And that's great, but it's not necessarily what every relationship needs, and it's definitely mm -hmm. not what these marriages need. Mm -hmm. Well, also, I think a lot of it may have something to do with them. Because they have been tasked to create this song and to create this, this world-changing song, mm -hmm. it's making it where... Everything is about the both of them mm -hmm. doing doing this thing together. So then everything else then ends up having to be together. So it maybe they don't even realize how very much of a unit they have become. One hundred percent, they don't realize. Mm -mm. And it's safe to say that and if all of their really... decisions now are has to be both of them, and they don't even know. Well, it's it's safe to say that if they were to really analyze it, they might not actually value themselves as individuals. But yeah. that's a much deeper movie than Bill and Ted Face the Music. So we'll we'll come back to it maybe. We'll see. Oh, so no, the point you can is, go deep with that. They go home. <laughs> Some deep thinking. They are reassured that their daughters do idolize them. Mm -hmm. But then shortly after, what should happen? Mm -hmm. Greetings, my excellent friends. Do we know you? I'm Kelly. Wait, you're Rufus's daughter. I am, and I've been wanting to meet you my whole life. It must be very disappointing. Not at all. We have a problem, gentlemen. Potentially a very serious problem. About the music? About the music. They just want to talk to you. Kelly, who is the daughter of Rufus. Now Rufus so, is their time traveling. Yes. And I guy. like that they who I, I like that they cast uh, Kristen Shaw to play his daughter. 
Kristen like, Schaal has this amazing voice, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she can do damn near anything. I mean, honestly, she just she really does seize a role, which mm-hmm. I love. I totally buy her as Kelly, this time traveling person. She is the daughter of the councilwoman, like the grand councilwoman, and Rufus. Mm-hmm. And I totally buy her as eight year old Louise Belcher mm-hmm. in Bob's Burgers. She just can shift from role to role. I love it. Kelly. She was also in Flight of the Concords. Was she? Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Kelly is named after George Carlin's real life daughter, Kelly. Oh, nice. And that was done as like a way to tribute. And in fact, Kelly Carlin said that that would be a great way, like a great homage. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that I really, really wanted them, I told you there were three check marks that I had to get. Mm-hmm. One was they had to pay tribute to George Carlin, not in a cheesy way. I didn't want them to recast him. I didn't want them to be like, oh, he's oh, just off stage. I remember. Go ahead. You keep talking. But I remember what you told me that they did. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. They, they, they named the daughter mm-hmm. after his real daughter. And, of course, Kelly comes to bring them to the future. And when mm-hmm. they get to the future, mm-hmm. they find an old school phone booth mm-hmm. and a hologram of George Carlin. Well, mm-hmm. a hologram of Rufus, as played by George Carlin. Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw that, my breath kind of caught. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, thank you for paying that tribute. And it's just really, and it's not overly done, like, this is the Rufus Museum. It was just really subtle, but it had the exact amount of screen time that needed to be devoted to that. I thought it was great. So, they get to the the time council. Now, the grand councilwoman, Kelly's Mother is played by Holland Tanner, who's in just a buttload of stuff. Just so much stuff. Her character in this, incidentally, is called the Great Leader. Hmm. Just the Great Leader. And basically, she tells them that they have 70-something minutes. Hmm. Yeah. She, they have 77 minutes to write mm-hmm. this. Now, fun fact, 77 minutes is how long you have until they play the, the, the music. Okay, nice. So it plays in real time. So... Bill and Ted are given this instruction where they have 77 minutes to come up with this mm-hmm. music, this song that's going to reunite that's going to reunite the entire world. Kelly, how does a song save reality? That I can't tell you, but it has to somehow. The great turntable is tipping. That there is the center of space and time. San Dimas 700 years ago, 7:17 p.m. My father believed that the song would be the nexus point that brings humanity into rhythm and harmony. How? We only discovered this recently, but without it, reality will collapse and time and space will cease to exist. So until 7.17 p.m.? Anything is possible. And after 7.17 p.m.? Without the song, there is no after 7.17 p.m. As it turns out, the, the fabric of time in general is falling apart. Reality as we know it is falling apart. And they're like, is that a thing we knew? No, that's new. <laughs> anyway, Bill and Ted panic. And so what they decide to do is they're going to steal the phone booth. And they're going to go in the future to find the Bill and Ted that have the song. And they are going to take the song. That's what they do. The Grand Council gets frustrated with this, interprets it as Bill and Ted running away. That's whenever it's uncovered that there are two possible... Uh, translations of this prophecy. One is that Bill and Ted will write this song. Mm -hmm. The second is that the death of Bill and Ted will will 
bring about the this world peace. What they end up doing is they unleash a robot. Who is played by a gentleman named Anthony Kerrigan. I I love, love him. him so, so much. I became I've I didn't realize he was in Gotham. To be fair, it's been a minute it's been a minute since I've watched all of Gotham. Um I fully intend to go back and rewatch it now that it's available on Netflix and it's not kind of I don't think there's I don't think it's still on. I don't know. I'm not sure, but anyway. It's got Milo um, V in it and I'm yeah. down for Milo V. He's in he's in Gotham. Um but he's he plays a character in Barry, the TV show Barry, um called Noho Hank. And he's basically, he's like a Russian mob leader. Mm-hmm. And he has, he has this very high-pitched sort of uh, metro mm-hmm. voice and just quality about him. But he's also this mob leader. And he doesn't like confrontation. So, but, and he will also offer like delicious snacks and beverages in mm-hmm. the middle of them discussing who they're going to kill. And he and oh, yes. he's like, oh, would you, would you like a snack? You know, <laughs> he's just very, very funny and very deadpan. So them casting him in this role was perfect. Dennis is a killer robot mm-hmm. that just steals the show. He is for this movie with death. Yeah, is he stole the show on. in Barry. I... Like he's not the lead, but he steals the show every single time he's on. So he's he's unleashed to go and find Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime. Kelly panics, and so she takes her own time-traveling thing, which is not a phone booth. It looks like a, like an egg. Yeah. And she goes to the present to try to tip off Bill and Ted, not knowing where they've gone. Kelly gets there, and the daughters see, and she says, well, now we have a bigger problem because your dads have run off. We don't, I don't know what they're doing, and there's a killer robot that's being sent if they don't have the song. So the daughters say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because Kelly says she's got to wait there to warn them. Mm-hmm. So the daughters say, what we'll do is we'll, we'll gather the best of the best as far as a band and we will gather these people and that way all dads have to do is give us the music and then we'll already have the band set up for them and that is how they go and they go about kidnapping well that's not true they go about acquiring they don't kidnap like their fathers did they they do acquire some badass musicians i think from they they get armstrong Mm -hmm. then they get hendrix Mm -hmm. then they get not beethoven it's the other one that i kept saying in the first movie mozart Thank you. Yeah. They get Mozart. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, well, I love that. He can't speak English. Not nope. really. Um, but he's doing fine. He's, he's interacting fine. quite well. Does, who's he flir- doesn't he flirt with somebody? I can't remember who he's flirting with. I don't know if he flirts, per se. I think, in a way, he's kind of the Napoleon of, their, of this particular movie. Because you know yeah. how he kind of runs around, doesn't speak English, and, and just getting in the middle of everything. He's kind of uh, Ling Lun. Which is yes, you know, that's right. Th- th- that's who he kind of flirts with, sort of. But I don't know if it's necessarily flirting as much as he's starstruck, mm. because a she is a myth, mm-hmm. and so the, and they do bring a line about that. It's like I told, like turns out the the myth of Lulun was was actually real. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he's really impressed with that. They get a, a they get a drummer that's just known as Grom from like, mm-hmm. like a caveman esque kind of thing which I thought was a bit of a stretch even for this, but whatever. They form this band, which is fairly... Like, I get that. It's a great homage to the first movie, mm-hmm. and you get to see them traveling through time. And in the meantime, the dads have to find the song. Yeah. They go two years in the future, and they find themselves playing their greatest hit, which is Those Who Rock. Mm-hmm. But they're playing at, like, a bowling alley in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. They 
they try to chase them down. The other two run away. Mm-hmm. And then you realize they get in an argument. You're the one who couldn't write it, Ted. <gasps> well, you're the one who lost his wife, Ted. What? What are you talking about? Oh. After you failed couples therapy, Liz and Joe were visited by other thems from the future who gave them a phone booth and sent them all through time and space looking for just one life where they could be happy with you. And guess what else? Your daughters won't even talk to you. What? And that's when Bill and Ted realize now there's a new problem. Their wives have been unhappy. So Bill and Ted immediately abandon the search for the song and they go to find the wives in one of the funniest conversations ever. It's like, so your future selves are going to come. Don't go. Except you are going to go. So we should go? Well, I mean, no. But you will. And it's this back and forth. And it's at that point the therapist realizes that the wives <laughs> understand that it's they're almost from... this um, existential conversation of free will. <laughs> will you or won't you? Well, you won't, but you will. <laughs> yeah, you won't, but you will. Don't do it, but you are. But you are. <laughs> so we have that. Anyway, so... Something I want to comment on, I guess I can comment now, um, is I want to comment on the makeup because you're getting to see Bill and Ted at various ages because of them having to go, them trying to f- go further and further to track down, to, to, to tell the, isn't it, they're trying to tell themselves no, they're to trying, get their wives back or are they still looking for the song? Remember, I've only seen song. this once. They're looking for the song. What they do is they find out the first time they encountered themselves from mm-hmm. two years in the future that they find out that the wives have left. Okay. And they immediately abandon the search for the song mm-hmm. and they realize it says, well, at one point one of the future one of the future us says, and you know what? You go you do try to go make it better and you just make it worse. And so when they go to the therapist office and mm-hmm. oh, this probably is making it worse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we have to keep the reality together and we have to stay on the course. It's Bill talking. And Ted's like, that did not go well, Bill. So they're constantly keeping that in mind. And you do find out that the wives are also on a time-traveling adventure. Although, interestingly enough, you don't follow their adventure Mm-mm. at all. You kind of you kind of encounter them here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So they wind up going, instead of two years in the future, they go five years in the future, I believe. Mm-hmm. They go in the future where now they see Bill and Ted. They see themselves are in this fabulous mansion. Mm-hmm. And they are clearly they're doing much better mm-hmm. they're definitely rock stars they're tricked out in in leather and leopard and and look like they have had all the top shelf booze they could possibly want for the rest of time in fact as ted has pointed out his future self is drinking too much <laughs> <clears throat> well yeah they they're presented with the song it's a great mm-hmm. song and they're about to take it with them now everything's fine. They can present the song, reality will stabilize, and they can fix their marriage. Except as they're going out, who should they run into? The actual owner of the mansion. And that is, I believe, David Grohl. Yeah, Ted's the one that says he's been drinking too much, right? Yes. Okay. To, to make commentary on that, so there is, since we run into the owner of the actual mansion, um... <laughs> Then we realize that they don't belong there, and the the five years in the future, Bill and Ted have to get the hell out. And they they they're wearing his clothes. They've got all this stuff, so they got to change clothes. So you you see them up in the change up in his closet changing clothes, and you see that Ted has gained a 
extensive amount of weight. Minimum 40 pounds. Mostly of the alcohol variety. And so what I was going to comment on was all of that makeup, all of that you see of that that body and and whatnot in this and in the future scenes, Mm -hmm. that's all makeup. That's all special effects makeup, which that's kind of my jam. Mm -hmm. That's how I make my money. Um, I don't get to do that. But I still love it. I would love to make bodysuits. I think that'd be so cool. But yeah, those are bodysuits. So something that they did for for that, for uh, Ted, they have that, (laughs) they have his beer belly outfit. And then inside that, to give it that jiggle, because you know how he kind of slaps his belly and it looks pretty real. It's got little sand, little bead bags. So it has that movement of fat. Oh my gosh. And then you'll notice he's wearing two necklaces. Yeah. So he has the one up here and then one right here. That necklace is glued down so you can't see the edge of the bodysuit. And then they just did a really good job with the makeup and all to blend it. So that's that's what that is. That's just some little visual trivia for you. Be like, oh, I can see it now. Um, and they and they had hand punch all of that body hair. <laughs> that is a tough one. <laughs> like, it looks great, though. It does look great. And then... They run into... Oh, no, go ahead. There's more? Well, are you going to... Are, are, are you talking about who they ran into there or into, into their next selves? They ran into freaking Dave Grohl yes. and the Foo Fighters. Yes. Turns out that's his house. Yep. And that's his song. Mm-hmm. And so they quickly realized they can't do that. One of my favorite little clips, you have uh, Bill pulling a gun. Guys, seriously, you don't have to pull guns on us. Yeah? Watch what happens when we don't. See? And he pulls the gun away and immediately Bill and Ted try to run and you hear the gun click again. It's like, <laughs> see? <laughs> so they manage to get out there running away. But at this point, Deacon mm-hmm. and Ted's dad, mm-hmm. who are still in the law enforcement, mm-hmm. have, you know, they are at the house because obviously security has been called. Mm-hmm. And who should show up along with them but Dennis. The killer robot. So Dennis is coming after them. He is there to disintegrate them. He's aiming at Bill and Ted. And he accidentally the hits their dad. Bill and Ted time travel out. He hits Ted's dad. Uh-huh. Ted's dad goes. You can see him falling. And then you get your first shot of William Sadler. Mm-hmm. Sadler. Or you get your first shot of death. Which was, even though it was just me and Bennett in the, like, we were both, like, whooping. We're like, whoa! This is awesome! <laughs> It was so good. But all that to come. Now, I don't know exactly why Ted's dad is sent to hell, but we'll get there. Maybe that's just where Dennis is just programmed to send whoever he kills. That's a good call. I mean, that's kind of what they were going for with Bill and Ted. Because I feel like, because literally every single person that he... Bill and Ted are sent to hell because they are sent to hell by Missy. Okay, but then, but other individuals end up in hell as the story goes along, right? That's true. That Dennis accidentally zaps. I do like Dennis's reaction. He hits and yeah. immediately he feels bad. He's like, "Oh no. <laughs> Mistake. Oh no." Um He reminds me of a combination of kind of like Baymax from Big Hero 6. Yes. And then like I don't know, a stormtrooper maybe. I could say like it's his first day, you yeah. know. It's just All right. Oh no. So, I am not fast. I am not. Oh no. They they time travel, not realizing that Ted's dad has been laser zapped or lasered. No, nope. yeah. And they go to a couple years later where they encounter themselves now ripped as hell. In prison. In prison. Okay, so here's my commentary on that one, and then you may continue. Go for it. So in my researching specifically about the special effects that they did, because I just appreciated how they, all the, the aging makeup 
that they did on them and also just the different body type makeup that they did for them. Um, so for this, again, body suits, um, how they do that, children, is they take a couple of different types of silicone. One of them is applied first and this kind doesn't pull at your hair when it's applied on your body. The, and then they put another one on top of that and then they cover that in plaster. And then once everything is dry, they take it off and yay, we have a body cast of you, the actor. And so they use that to then create a sculpture of how they want the body to then look. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made these really, really ripped body suits for them, hand-painted, all of that. Grotesquely ill-proportionate. Yes. I love it. But what they had to do was because they were filming this in the New Orleans heat. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, my God, you poor men. So what they did is on the back of the suits, they have a zipper, which you, you know, if, if you're going to be getting any shots of them from behind, you obviously are going to want to cover that up. So what they did is they just kept the zipper there where they could easily get in and out of their suits mm-hmm. so they could cool off and then they just CGI'd out the zippers when they needed to. It, done. it made it where everyone everyone could be comfortable. It's like, we'll spend a little bit more money on the CGI just to help you guys. Makes sense. But yeah, that's what they did there. And something they did for Alex, they said they wanted him to look like a, to be modeled after a gorilla. We had like no neck and it's just an unprecedented amount of muscle for someone his size. Oh, nice. So that's what they, and they said it that he really, really liked it and it helped with his performance a lot he, so he does have a lot of fun with the stuff that yeah. he does yeah which great, there's a, a video of them wearing their suits and <laughs> you could see them in the makeup trailer and they just look like a couple of teenagers being given these outfits to wear and they're like pretend flexing and kind of stomping around and what's even better is keanu reeves i think he's wearing like a leg muscle suit as nice. well but it's flesh tone with also the bodysuit on top so it just looks kind of inappropriate except for right in the groin area instead of their being anything there there's just like this little tab just this little white tab where i guess it's sort of like you could pop it loose Whoa. and take the pants off or something i don't really know it looks like a onesie okay I it's mis- kind of attached like a onesie i misunderstood what you meant by it you but there's like, just pop like it loose and i was like you Hello. pop the pants Got the it. pants pop the pants loose kind of like you would with like an open back little onesie pants or something like that misinterpretation but it just looks every time he's like walking around in this makeup trailer and he turns front it's just like that's not what I'm expecting to see there. I'm definitely going to have to look this up. <laughs> I'll see if I can send you the video I found. It's funny. They wind up going to way in the future. Yeah. To find the elderly Bill and Ted. Which, again, fantastic makeup that fantastic. they did for them. Um, they they did a couple of different things for to, to add aging subtly. Mm-hmm. They did kind of, if you'll notice, that uh, Bill's eyes have kind of a cataract look so they did some sort of milky contacts mm-hmm. um they gave them kind of arthritic so they they have hand yep. hand casts they did that so they have hand makeup and and uh oh yeah they casts look on withered as hell yeah but it looks amazing i like how they each have conversations with themselves as though they were disappointed fathers yeah which I like. I'm watching this. Like, you know, this truth. If I were having a conversation with my younger self, I would. It would probably come off as a slightly disappointed, at least older sibling. But I do like one of my favorite lines out of that is, "They're nice boys." <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So now they have the song. The yeah. old versions of them give them the song. Preston Logan. It's on the little flash drive. And now Bill and Ted have the song. They have the song. And it's called Face the Music. Then, who they, do they run into? They run oh. into the killer robot. Mm-hmm. Dennis. They run into Dennis. They don't know his name is Dennis yet, which I love. 
Do but we not know that his name is Dennis yet no, at this point? No, because he, he has an existential crisis. Is that how you say that? Existential? Existential. Existential crisis? Existential. Existential. Okay, you say it. He has an existential crisis. It sounds better when you say it with an accent. Does it? No, it's... No. Dennis has an existential crisis, and he starts talking about his name, right? Well, sort of. He... They, they're trying to figure out where the phone booth is. Mm-hmm. And the robot, who we just know is... You know, he's been sent by the grand leader mm-hmm. to destroy Bill and Ted because... There's another prophecy that could be... Yeah, the prophecy could have been read. Mm-hmm. It's either they write the song or it's the death of them. That, so he's been sent to yeah. kill them, so then that way they at least have that. Now, of course, at this point, he's already accidentally killed yeah. Mr. Logan, mm-hmm. Ted's father, along with mm-hmm. the Mozart, daughters. The daughters. Kid Cudi, yep. Ling Loon. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire else? band. Who the else? entire potential band. Hendrix and mm-hmm. um, Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Oh, what is... Oh, no. They point out, it's like, you can't kill us because we have the song. Or you don't need to kill us because we have the song. And he immediately is like, okay, great. And now he feels bad. And (laughs) he apologizes. And they're like, it's fine, dude. Whatever. He's like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, mistakes were made. I lasered your daughters. You lasered them? Daughters are in hell. They're really upset. The robot is like, well, I can't kill you because you don't, because you have the song. And so they break the flash drive. And it's like, well, now mm-hmm. we don't. I remember watching that and going, hold on. <laughs> Wait, you've gone through all of this. And that's the best you could come up with at this moment. And I'm not thinking that in terms of the, of the writing. I'm thinking that in terms of like just Bill and Ted, just the logic. And I know, I know their logic is, well, we're got, we got to hurry up. And if, if. This is the if this is the issue we now find ourselves in, and this is the reason for this issue that we needed to you know make this be persona non grata. But I don't know. It just it's there was this element of no logic. Well, all right, fine. If this is what's happening, breaks the flash drive. K. Now we don't have this. It was like teenage logic, and that's no offense to a teenager. It just it's it's it was so abrupt. That's what I mean. It was so abrupt. Well, I mean, they just found out their daughters had been murdered and oh, also okay, yeah, sent to hell. True. And this true. robot has the ability to send them there, so makes sense. Anyway, so the robot freaks out and he's like, no, can't hurt you guys because he feels guilty. So he ends up blowing himself up and Bill and Ted realize at the last second, so they like jump on him. So he lasers all three of them mm-hmm. and wind up in hell. Mm-hmm. Now, first it's just Bill and Ted and then the robot falls. The robot wants to come with them. <laughs> I love how they always end up picking up, like, these random strays, almost, like, in the, in, well, in the original one, that was the whole premise, just, just, the whole thing was random, all these random strays to help them with their project, and then in the second one, it was death. And station. I tried to forget that station existed. And Don't bring station up. The good robot asses. Okay. Yeah, the good robot asses. But they didn't happen till later, till, like, the very end. They didn't follow them throughout, like, half the movie. That's fair. And they're also, I'm going to say this, they are characters with, like, chalk white faces every single time. Who? Death has a chalk white face, Mm -hmm. and so does Dennis. Okay. It's like they make friends with these bald, because Dennis sort of is, in a sense, characters. Getting awful close to saying Bill and Ted love Whitey. No, no, because see, I do make up, and I know the difference. He's like, wait, I have a name. Dennis. 
Dennis McCoy. Okay, let's go, Dennis McCoy. Dennis Caleb McCoy. That's the, the full let's name. Let's go, dude! A really insecure, somehow dead robot named Dennis McCoy. Okay. And it's like, well, can I come with you? And you're like, yeah, okay, we don't care. And one of my favorite parts is they're both looking at hell. How are we gonna find them, dude? I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't even know, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> so they wind up, you know, they're, they're searching through hell. And in the meantime, I'm trying to think if anything's going. Oh, yeah, you check back into the future. Mm-hmm. Because now the grand leader, mm -hmm. her version of the prophecy has been fulfilled because Bill and Ted have been have been killed. But oh no, it does not fix the time rift. It mm -hmm. does not fix. And the at problem. this point, aren't there all kinds of stuff just like appearing in places they're not supposed to? But more so than before. Yes. Because I seem to remember, like it was in the trailer, um, or I think it was in the trailer, where it's like the. Uh, is it the Sahara Desert or the pyramids or something like that has like shown up in the neighborhood? Yeah, and, Kelly. And, yeah, and, and she's Kelly like, and Queen shot. Elizabeth. Yeah, I yeah. can confirm Queen Elizabeth is looking at it. This is the Sahara Desert just showed up in San Dimas. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth's looking right at it, mother. <laughs> anyway, but yes, yeah, so all this is just it's breaking more and more, and they're realizing that they really don't have a hope. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we go back to hell. To find. Meanwhile, back in hell. Back in hell. Dee 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 dee. In hell. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah. So they go to hell mm -hmm. and they get instructions from some demons. One of my favorite little interactions. It's like, oh yeah, it's a pretty good group. And they're like, group? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so they're this way. the demons. Pretty good group. <laughs> and then they're like, they're passing. They're like, thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. And then the robot passes. It's like, yeah, thanks, dude. And then they're like, no, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. That is a, that is a robot in hell. Yeah. Fun fact about those two demons. Mm-hmm. You told me this. It was the writers. They're the writers. They're the writers. <laughs> yeah. Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson. So, and, but, and by the, the writers. way, I just love how that, it's such a nonsense part, but it's something that <laughs> caught my attention in the beginning, because it was just like, immediately in mid-conversation, oh, yeah, no, they're over this way. Yeah, good group. And then I was like, okay, that's funny enough. And then it's, yeah, that's weird. That is, a, that is a robot in hell. It's weird. And I thought, that's what perked up my ears, and I was like... Wait a minute, something about those two. And I researched, I was like, there you guys are! That's fine. I love it! Which is a bonus cherry on top of that. Like, I would have, in hindsight, I would have been disappointed had they not shown up. Mm-hmm. I so love that. they have found their group. They find their group. Good group. Part of something that was heavily put in the marketing was mm -hmm. the, well, how are you? Well, we're dead. And also, in hell. And they're like, yeah, but how are you? <laughs> Um, I like seeing them interact with their daughters. Mm -hmm. I like how the daughters have proven themselves to be, I mean, they're not flawless, but they are clearly smarter than Bill and Ted, which yeah. I appreciate, but they still have the mannerisms of Bill and Ted, which I love. Well, I guess what you could say is since the princesses, the babes, are their moms, and we don't really know exactly what Bill and Ted's upbringing was, and we know that as far as education and stuff was concerned, they didn't always take it super seriously until they got a hold of a, you know, phone booth and could go back in time and get various people to help them with a report. Um, well, see, think about it logically here. They, she they, said they came from review. good stock. That's what I'm saying. They came from, from smart and also Bill and Ted. That's, yeah. They Who are also smart, but it's a different kind. Here's the thing about Bill and Ted's education. 
they did great on this report, but they mm-hmm. didn't do great because they had to know well, you know, about history. They did great, so this way Ted get, did not get sent to an Alaskan military school, thereby exactly. breaking up the band. Exactly. And it wasn't, you have to get in, like, Dartmouth or something. Mm-hmm. It was a one-time thing, sit and flunk out and then get mm-hmm. separated. So it's arguable yeah. that education, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think this was a film series that was really heavily based in education. No, no, you know? maybe just not at all. And I mean, really, really, when you think about it, the education system as a whole really doesn't cater to the artistic souls. Not really. And they are definitely the artistic souls. That's pretty deep, dude. I know. Be excellent to each Sorry. other. Sorry. <laughs> Since we started doing these these this particular franchise, um, Leah pointed out how much my makeup of like my who I am, like the way that I speak, the cadence and words that I choose, really most likely comes very from me. Because this is I do not remember a time before Bill and Ted were in my life. Yeah. It, it does account for a lot of the dudes and excellence. I started catching myself saying that. At well, work. I say it, awesome entirely too often because of watching Supernatural and Dean, Dean Winchester. But okay, so they realize, so they're reunited do, 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 do. in hell. hell. <laughs> Why don't we get more work? They meet the girls. Mm-hmm. The girls introduce them to the band, mm-hmm. arguably the best band. Although I wonder if Beethoven, a.k.a. Beethoven, is a little bit offended that he was not included. Oh, yeah. Because they have a history, but then according to the animated series, they have a history with Mozart as well. They yeah. babysat him when he was a little boy. He yeah. was a kind of a rapscallion. Anyway, the point is, the girls also revealed that they have found in their travels in hell one Mr. Logan, Ted's dad. And Ted's dad is like, hey, realizing all this, I realized that I was wrong because at the beginning, he has this whole thing about how you didn't go to heaven and hell, you didn't travel through time, and now he realizes it's all real. And he's like, I should have supported you and not, you know. The thing is, though, from Mr. Logan's perspective, that's going to be a very disappointing life because your son is kind of an idiot from your perspective that has this weird delusion about time travel and also going through heaven and hell and thinking that he and his friend who, you know, they, they had this band that's going to reunite or that's going to unite the, the world. And then on the other side, his other son takes up the same career as him and then also the same wife. Because <laughs> Deacon marries yeah. Missy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so they decide, so they got to get out of hell. Mm-hmm. There's one way to get out of hell. It's the way they got out of the afterlife last time, mm-hmm. and that's to reunite with death. Death. I love death. William Sadler comes back in a big way, mm-hmm. and once again, just, there's so many elements. I love Bill and Ted, but I always, always love the side characters. I love Dennis. I love Kelly. Mm-hmm. I love death. Mm-hmm. They see death has his like little house in hell, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's actually a little video. This is where I live in hell, mid-century modern. I don't know which century. I love this album, but no one bought it, and I had to paint it silver myself. But looks good, chick magnet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so. So Aww. you find out they've had a bit of a falling out. <laughs> yeah, that's right, they do. Hey, Death. Life isn't a wild stallion. 
Have you come to sue me again? Did your restraining order run out? Did the judge change his mind? So now I am allowed to get close to you? Hmm? Is this too close? Dad, we didn't want to sue you, dude. What? You tried to take the name Wild Stallions. I was Wild Stallions. What are you talking about? You kicked me out because you was jealous of me. No, 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 yes, no, yes, dude. Yes. You quit the band to go out on your own. Given all the information, I'm inclined to agree with Bill and Ted that maybe death got a little bit too much, you know? A little mm. bit, you know, he was taking 40-minute bass solos and... Yeah. He apparently tried to take the name Wild Stallions. Hmm. Um, here's the thing, though. Being right is not always the way to end an argument, as evidenced by the fact that he pretty much slams the door in their face. Mm-hmm. But who should come to the rescue? Billy and Thea. Ah, that's right. That's right. I remember. I remember. They make them all kind of basically, like, shake hands and make up. Pretty much. They have to go and they have this this stopwatch, or not stopwatch, they have a watch that mm-hmm. Kelly gave them that used to belong to Rufus. Mm-hmm. And they realize they only have, like, I can't remember. It's like, they have a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go to MP3. And one of the best things is to say, well, where is this place? Does anyone know this? And Kid Cudi, who, by the way, just for no reason at all, is, like, really knowledgeable <laughs> about all this time flux stuff. Mm-hmm. Ridiculously so. He's, well, I mean, he's also playing himself. So, I mean, I think that's part of the characters. Like, they, they created an existing person, but made a character out of it. One of, okay, this is a great line. They are introducing mm-hmm. the band. And it's like Miss Lane Noon and, uh, you know, you got Mozart and you got Jimi Hendrix. And it's like, and also Kid Cudi, though he's not a historical figure. And Kid Cudi goes, eh, I kind of am now, I think. <laughs> And I, I do love that. Anyway, so he's like, they're like, does anyone know where this place is? And he's like, it depends on your perspective and, and all this other stuff. And he has this big speech. And then it just gets quiet for a second. And then Bill's like, does anyone know where this is? <laughs> so they wind up on this place. It turns out to be some kind of interstate. Mm-hmm. They start setting up a stage. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point, the girls are like, okay, we have the band. We just need the song. And the guys, they, Bill and Ted are like, we have some bad news we don't have the song. And at this point, Dennis has given them back, like, the pieces of the hard drive. Mm-hmm. And it has Face the Music, Preston, Logan on there. And the girls are, it's like, well, yeah, it's like, well, we forgive you, and, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. And that's when they realize Preston Logan is their daughters. Hmm. This is where the movie almost lost me. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I actually kind of wondered if that's what they were gonna do. Because that does tend to be a trope and that's um, why I didn't want it to happen in this. It's it's this movie. Yeah. It's 30 years in the making. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want it to be this throwaway trope. Mm-hmm. And I was really worried about that. And so for I was a little bit kind of miffed. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, we don't really know anything about music. We just listen to stuff that we like. And they said, okay, well, why don't you put it together, kind of piece it together. So the girls start getting the band. One line that still bothers me is, we're not here... Like, you're not here to back us, we're here to back you. And so the girls go about, like, getting everybody, like, the drummer. Oh, they get, like, a cave woman drummer, which I keep mm-hmm. forgetting to. I think that Grohl, I think that's the name. Mm-hmm. By the way, cool that they chose a woman over a caveman. I just think that's neat. Because <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because n- no reason it had to be one or the other sex, so it was just, it was nice. It's a cave person. Yeah. They and- do not identify one way or another. They are a cave person wearing furs. 
And at the end of the day, aren't we all just, you know, it doesn't matter. Just okay. cave people wearing furs. <laughs> you know, that's how that works. Anyway, so they, the girls start putting together this, you know, like getting things kind of started. It's at this point the wives, the babes, mm-hmm. <laughs> the medieval babes, the princesses show up. And they have been on the hunt to find a reality in which they're happy with Bill and Ted. And then they realize that they don't need to find an an alternate reality. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what happens, they love them. Mm -hmm. And it's at this point they realize the reason they know this is because they've experienced all these different timelines. Because time is going on simultaneously. There's all these different things that are happening. Mm -hmm. It's at this point they realize... How do we reun- How do we unite the world if we're just playing a song? And they realize the world has to play along with them. So the guys are busy trying to figure out how to become infinite time distributors, essentially, while the babes have to figure out what they're going to do to contribute. So what they end up with, like how they themselves are going to contribute to all of this. So what they wind up doing is they, again, Kid Cuddy helps out coming up with (laughs) how they're going to do this. They split themselves into infinite versions with Mm -hmm. the time machine to distribute instruments to all the people over all times so everybody can play simultaneously. Before they do that, though, they close. They're about to hit the infinite button, the infinity button or whatever it is, and that's when you have the biggest growth of all. Ted says... I love you, Elizabeth. And Bill says, I love you, Joanna. And the best part is they say, we know. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's just sweet. Because they're seeing it from each other's perspectives. Anyway, they pass out instruments to everybody all over the world and all over time. But, okay, you're just handing out random instruments to random people. Anybody, I'm pretty sure people can play tambourine better than others, but there's no one person in the world that can at least play tambourine to some um, level. Missy or Deacon gets handed a friggin' saxophone. Also, Jesus gets a cowbell. If there's anybody in the history of any time that could play anything to great success, I feel like, I'm just saying, we could have given him, like, a theremin. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets yeah. a cowbell. I don't know, though. When you think about it, I mean, yes, Jesus probably has the ability, the 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 innate ability to play anything and everything by default of being Jesus. However, there is an essence of pride in that, which Jesus was not or did not really have. Not like that. And so the cowbell is a humble instrument. Also, I realized, I realized my, my folly for getting Plus, into Plus, he was this. also a carpenter, so, I mean, that just kind of makes sense. Um, this is also a scenario which I had not taken into account. The world is ending, and Jesus' only contribution is to play an instrument. To play an instrument, so right, So I feel yeah. like that's the folly. If you follow <laughs> theological discussion and debate, I'm betting this is pretty low on the totem pole. I mean, I feel like, be like, hey, Jesus... The world is ending. Here's a cowbell. He'd be like, wait, hold up. <laughs> Thank you. Also, I have some questions. <laughs> also, I'm Jesus. Okay, so, all right. My point is, they then come back to the present mm-hmm. with the babes. The who, babes. by the way, are not playing the drums and also mm-hmm. keyboard. 
Aren't Joanna and Elizabeth part of the Wild Stallions? Yeah, well, they're busy. They're occupied. They haven't practiced in years, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what. My point is, Joanna and Elizabeth were in the band. Now they've been taken over by Grohl and Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're going to get taken, if your job's going to get taken over. Might as well get taken over by Mozart. I mean, if it's, yeah. I get that. Okay. Anyway. It's a step up. Bill and Ted then play guitar. Mm-hmm. And this was the third check that I needed. Actually, if, if I'm being honest, there were four things that I needed. I needed them to pay respects to Rufus, which they had done. Mm-hmm. I needed them to explain why Billy and Thea are not little Bill and little Ted, because it's insinuated that they're boys. And I didn't want them to like, retcon a lot of stuff. Did they actually... Ins- they just said this is little Bill it. and little Ted. Yeah. And then there's a point in the beginning where Mr. Logan's like, remember how you used to call them little Bill and little Ted? But mm-hmm. their names are Billy and Thea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then this. I wanted to see them jam out, and I didn't want it to be the girls. I did not want the girls to be who the Wild Stallions were. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. And it turns out to be Bill and Ted. They play amazing light effect thing happens with the guitars. Everybody's playing Pyrotechnics? Pyrot- well, I don't know. It's like a Was there lasery fire? kind of a laser? No, this is like a laser show? Yeah. Okay. Everybody's playing, by the way. I have very limited, like, I can play the xylophone, bells, marimba, and chimes. Here's the thing. I can't play I can other play instruments. play the piano very slowly. But that's my point. You have all these people playing, can't be well. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it. So really, well, that's something to consider. If we're bonded together by our lack of talent. But maybe by default of this whole thing being a predetermined event in time, mm-hmm. but a, t- a predetermined event in time that entirely involved uh, cho- uh, free free will and choices, Right. then maybe, by default, that means that for this one moment in time, these people will actually be able to play this because they're not trying to play any one thing, they're trying to play what they're capable of. I think there are some people that are excellent at some things, but everybody sucks at something. And that's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Maybe they got maybe the ones that sucked at it got handed the instruments that don't require any actual talent. I can sit here and go like Jesus and the cowbell. It's never a single lesson. That was a table. You play the hell out of the tray table, Leah. <laughs> but see, that's my point. Okay. So they play it, and then it ends in the same way it begins, with like a word off between Thea and Billy. Yes. And so, it wasn't so much the song that made the difference. It was everyone playing it together. And that almost killed it just a little bit, like I was willing to accept it, because there was one more thing that I wanted, and but it wasn't, you know, it was, I wanted Bill and Ted to be the last ones that mm-hmm. really spoke, you know. And that was such a little thing, it really didn't make that big of a deal, but they're like, it wasn't every, it wasn't, the music, it was everybody playing it together, which I think is a pretty cool deal. Yeah. So then the credits come in. This is something you probably don't know. The credits play, and there's, like, people, like, doing, like, air guitar and mm-hmm. just, like, jamming out. Alex Winter did this online campaign explaining what they wanted to use this for, mm-hmm. and they asked for, like, 30-second videos of people rocking out in oh, whatever cool. way. So, so fans got to be a part of this. In just like a little way, so those That's are cool. fans that are that are doing this, and then it cuts back into the movie, 
Bill and Ted, older Bill and Ted, are like, yeah, I think we're prepared to die. And of course, they don't die. And they're like, let's jam out. That was the last thing I needed. I needed to see them jam out one last time because it always ends with them jamming out. And they are now incredible at it. Just, I mean, like with the little guitars and amps, and they like shred. And then they're both like, okay, okay. And you can like kind of see them like panting, and they're like, okay. And then it cuts out. And that's the end. Not just the end of this movie. That is the end of this trilogy. That is the end of this saga. That's the end of this adventure. I watched it with Bennett. Mm-hmm. And I remember that feeling where it was like, this moment was perfect. I can't explain it. It's, whatever you think about it, it's Bill and Ted. And I know the ridiculousness of that. Mm-hmm. But this is a movie I had daydreamed about for 20 years. Well, I mean, everybody has kind of their favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And everybody's favorite thing is, okay, wow, this is starting to sound like I'm on something while I'm saying this, which probably would make it sound better. But what I'm trying to say is everyone has their favorite thing. It doesn't really matter what it is, mm-hmm. per se. It could be Bill and Ted. It could be your favorite thing is reading War and Peace every summer. So it, heh, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the, the individual viewer's experience and what it gives back to them. So for you, this means a great deal. It does. And because it's been there for such a long time as a part of your reality. And it has had a very significant influence on your personality and also on just little isms that you have. As found out in the making of this podcast. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes. So for you, this was a big deal. For someone like me who's kind of just recently come into it, it's like, I appreciate it, but I don't think I would appreciate it without having someone like you here to sort of go, ooh, this was cool, and ooh, and they did this, and to make the parts of me that appreciate stuff like that mm-hmm. appreciate it along with you. I know, that was like, I could have been more eloquent there, but you get what I'm saying. You I, get what I'm saying. Dude, I disagree. I think it was beautiful. Oh, okay. Um, I, had an hour I should have used more variety of, of vocabulary, but I, you know, I'm trying to sum this up. Don't change up this freaking thing. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Anti-disestablishmentarianism, there we go. There was a point where I was getting in my car, because I like had like an hour and change to drive back. Okay, at this point it was after midnight. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, there was this great moment mm-hmm. where I realized, because I made a big thing about how I was gonna watch it, mm-hmm. like I got a couple like text messages or calls like leading up to it, and I was like, I'm not talking to anybody, it's a couple of hours, deal with it. <laughs> and then I realized. Uh, at least two people were going to ask me what I thought. And I was like, what am I going to say about this movie? And there was a moment where I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to say about it. And what I, my official like response was, like, this is what 30 years worth the wait feels like. And I, like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I don't expect there to be another movie. I don't need there to be another movie. I don't want there to be another movie. Um, and... I think it's pretty much unanimous. The writers, the actors, everybody's like, this is a closed, this mm-hmm. is a closed chapter. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's a closed book. Well, do you think that's also part of why it was good? Because there are a lot of franchises, and this is no cut to any one franchise at all, but there are a lot of franchises that have a tendency to, they'll do a movie and you'll be like, okay, this is the last one, and they have this way of, they'll leave some sort of something open-ended 
so that someone could come back. Something can just be brought in back case. just in case, and it does leave an element of of um. There's not quite that same level of closure there that you kind of want. And also, I think it does affect the ability for you to tell the story. Because you're going, well, I shouldn't use all my stuff now. I should wait. Yeah, no, I think I see where you're, where you're coming from on mm -hmm. that. And we've seen that. And the thing is, this new kind of thing that we're doing with Recommended, going through the series, we're going to explore that a lot. Mm -hmm. I like how one of the first franchises we did was Bill and Ted because... It is one of the rare things where it started in a place that didn't have expectation of a sequel. Mm -hmm. It did have a sequel a few years in, mm -hmm. telling a completely different story. Mm -hmm. And then, this is almost always the mark of a good thing, if you wait a long time till a story is formed. And I love that it came out in 2020, in a year <laughs> for everything Like, really, else. truly. If anything could have premiered A, at a more ironic time and B, at the most perfect time when everyone needed something like that especially if you were like an avid fan yo that was the time for it it really was um, I don't think it would have had the same I, I don't know that it would have had the same impression if it came out this year It's we've still been no. through a lot of crap but it's not not like it was last year. No, not at all. Last year, any anything that was the least little bit joyful was just so valued. <laughs> okay, so here we are at the end of this Bill and Ted franchise. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say the take home lessons are? That if you are a robot, you might have an existential crisis and find yourself in hell. All right. So, if you have an existential crisis, yeah, then be a backup dancer. Be a backup dancer. Yeah, I think that was K Fed's entire like. <laughs> That's how he became a person. The takeaway from this is sometimes it's worth the wait. That's actually beautiful. There are certain lessons to learn from this. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, kind of echoing what you said, sometimes things are worth the wait. And it can be sort of a sleeper in the sense of this was never a really big franchise. This was never a box office like Iron Man or Disney thing you had these two virtually unknown people that stuck with a franchise that grew mm -hmm. and then at the most unpredictable point it shows up and it's just amazing so really i think yeah maybe we're all joined together if not by our like universally understood collective hive mind maybe just the fact that we all suck at something Maybe that joins us together. Well, maybe it's because in an alternate reality mm -hmm. that this takes place, we ourselves also got to play in this, this world playing of music. Maybe. And we just don't necessarily remember it per se, per se, but we were there for it. But I will tell you one thing that will stick with me that has stuck with me since I was a tiny, tiny child and will stick with me until my dying day. Okay. And the lesson is pretty simple, and it's profound and it's beautiful and it's easy be excellent, excellent to, each to each other, other. <laughs> and air guitar all the time because it's worth you it you do yes you do actually um air guitar air piano mm -hmm. air harpsichord mm -hmm. i don't care what you do 
just be a part of the music in your soul. I'm and not be drugged. be excellent to each other. I'm not drugged at all. I feel no. like I should point that out. No, she's not. She's not. I can vouch for this. I had a blast showing you, you this world. You did. I actually saw, like, legit emotion in your eyes when you were talking about it at the end. I'm glad that I got to have this discussion with you, and I hope anybody that has taken us up on the recommendation, you know, has, has listened to these. And if you have some contrary opinions, if you have some, like, kind of thinky things for us to know, we'd love to hear them. Existential thoughts on the, you know, our existence and reality. All right, that's it. We're done. Wild Stallions rule! And trouble moves too fast To save the future We must learn about the past Bill and Adventures Most outstanding every day It's outrageous So bodacious Help is always on the way Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures It's a party Triumphant!